Are you conscious of your addiction? Refuse to be defined by it? Not satisfied with living your life on the surface? Are you drawn to deeper meaning and purpose? And believe that it's possible to grow through your addiction to experience true freedom? Well, welcome home. Share the journey from addiction to freedom with your host, Michael Gregory. Welcome to another episode of From Addiction to Freedom. And today I I just thought that I would try and in a way summarize where I'm at in terms of how what I think about addiction, the root of addiction, and in a way the end game, the the, the answer, the solution to addiction, and and then the pathway from the root to the answer. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot more that I'm not going to be able to cover and a lot that I don't know. But I just thought I would like to try and summarize it. And if you've been listening to previous episodes, particularly some of the beginning episodes and the ones that I've done on my own, I think you'll find a continuity there. And that would be very useful for you to go back and listen to those if you haven't. So let's talk about just a the root of addiction. So the easiest way to really just summarize that is to reflect on the nature of addiction. So any addiction is basically where you end up doing something or behaving in a way that is not in the best interest of you or others in the sense that it harms you. It doesn't give you the best outcome in your life. And I'm being very vague and broad about that simply because many, many behaviours, they don't just have to be a drug-related behaviour. There are other behaviours too that are detrimental to us. Let's just, on an emotional level, we could say codependency can be, not always, not giving us, allowing us to experience the full depth and and deep satisfaction in a relationship. On a mental level, just let's, what if I said there was an addiction to worrying or fear or negative thinking? I mean, there's lots and lots, but I'm just trying to give an example of there's a physical level, let's say a drug related, and that could just be sugar, it doesn't have to be hard drugs then there's emotional, then there's mental. But all of these hundreds and hundreds of examples in our life, and we could, if you really stopped and think, thought about it, we're all addicted in many, many ways. We all lack freedom when we don't seem to be able to make choices and actions that, that are in our best interests. And even if we know consciously, just the fact that we repeat what we know that we don't want to do, it takes away the freedom that we, that we could experience in genuinely freely choosing the very best thing for ourselves and enjoying that in our, in our life. So all of these addictions, one common characteristic is cravings. In other words, we have a desire. Let's call it a, let's call it a craving, a desire to, to do this behaviour. And we don't seem to be able to, to not follow that desire, even when we know it's not the best thing for us. 
So let's look at desire. And obviously there's a lot we could unpack in desire, but I'm just going to jump straight through and say that all desire requires, it's a reference back to ourself, isn't it? I mean, the desire is for me to have, be, do something, whatever that behavior is. So all desire requires a me to fulfill that desire. So let's look at that. And I guess this is what I would call the root of addiction, and that is our addiction to ourself, our addiction to an inability to to not see ourselves as the centre of our world and satisfy that at at cost. Now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having, you know, satisfying ourselves. It's it's necessary to function in the world. That and it's healthy, actually. I mean I mean, depending on what you understand around autism, you could say that autism is a condition where there's a lack of a sense of self to some degree or another, and that causes problems. So I'm not saying that having a sense of self is is, detriment, is not healthy. It is. But what I think is unhealthy about a certain state of operating around ourself is where we preference ourselves at the cost of others and we preference ourselves at even our own cost in terms of satisfying these desires these cravings that are not good for us. So that's what I'm talking about there. So let's let's now, if, if, if having this addiction to ourself is the root, in other words, if, if there was no addiction to ourself, then, then there would be no desire. I know that might be a leap for some of you, but let me explain how I've come to that. And, and I guess I might need to explain a, just a little bit about some of my journey in order to give you a sense of, of how I've come to that. It first occurred to me when I was around 19, and I've described some of that experience in an earlier episode, uh, maybe episode two or three or something. But I'm just going to summarize and say I had an experience where my sense of the sense of self as we habitually operate in the world dissipated. It's not that I was there, I was here, I'm here, but but there was a, it was like a, a filter was taken away and what I believed to be myself as in an individual separate entity housed in this body that was ripped away not ripped it just it it disappeared and what i experienced was that i as present was not separate from anything so our our sense of self that we operate in that we use in language is actually a misconception of the truth. It's useful when talking about you and me, but it's not the truth of what we are. And in that experience, the experience of being present, but not being separate, 
there was no desire. And there's absolute peace and love. It's all the one experience. Okay. So now having that experience that didn't last, that might have lasted a minute or two, but it seemed like it went. In fact, there was no time, timelessness. So it was infinite in a way. I'm only adding back a concept of time on top of that experience. And I've had, that was when I was 19 or something. And, and then the, the journey was to search for what was that? It's been, and there's been a long journey and a development of the understanding of that and development of the understanding of how to, what's required for that to be more stable. And I can honestly say that it's not stable now. So let's not have that delusion, but it's more frequent. And there's, there's certain what you might call peak experiences of that where things are com completely transparent and other times when it's more fleeting. But the undeniable knowledge and truth of that experience stays. So if we look at the world from that perspective, and I've tried to describe some of this in more the, the recent two episodes that I did individually prior to this one, the ones that not immediately prior, but the ones where I wasn't interviewing someone, I was trying to describe the nature of the world from that point of view. And I drew a diagram, which I think might be very useful. And I'll, I'll, I'll describe it to you. For those of you who are watching this on YouTube, you can actually see the diagram. And for those, for those of you who are on the podcast, I'll describe it to you. So what I'm um, holding up here is basically a blank piece of paper. And in the center is a, is a kind of a circle, but the circle's broken up. So the line of the circle forms inward into the shape of a person, right? So the, the circle goes around and down and, and then it goes up and becomes, you know, the legs and arms and head and then over the other side, the other arm and then down the leg and around to the next part of the circle. So in other words, the inside of the person is open to the white of the rest of the page. And then we move around the circle and then the circle then goes inwards and forms the shape of a tree, right, on the inside. So in other words, and then, then it continues around and forms the shape of a building, continues around and forms the shape of another person. So you've effectively got two people facing inwards, a tree facing inwards and a building facing inwards, but the, the, root, the bottom of each person and the building and the tree is open to the whole white of the rest of the page. And what I'm trying to show here is, is, that, is that our world, the way we look at things is all we see is, with, is, is, is from the inside of this circle, right? That's the world that our senses perceive, as if the inside of the circle is all that, that there is. But these experience, this, these, the experience of what we really are, what I'm trying to explain is, is actually that this bubble of sense perception, right, of what we call the external world, and I'll include thoughts in that and I'll include feelings and in the body in that, but what is also present but is also linked in a way the doorway to, to our deeper nature, what we are, 
is our awareness. Our awareness is present and can be aware of the nature of our interconnectedness with all things. So, for example, let's say the diagram of the person that's open to, you know, the circle opens at, you know, at their legs kind of thing and goes and is connected to the whole, you know, ocean of the rest of the white page. Well, that is essentially, you could say, that the rest of our awareness, consciousness, that each person is made up of that same stuff and so is the tree and so is the building. We're made up of that. And um, in fact, the whole world is made up of that. And we could talk quantum physics or whatever, but just for now, what I'm trying to, to say is that the world that we see, feel, hear and touch, including our thoughts, including our feelings, is a small aspect, not the whole world. Well, it's the world, but it's not the whole reality. The reality, the whole reality includes what we don't see, but what, but what is awareness, because awareness is present when we're experiencing any of this world. Okay, and so, so our sense of this individual self and me, this identity, it's from the functioning of the inside of the, the world bubble, let's call it, that looks to be true. And, 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 and for, from that perspective, it is. But from the perspective of the nature of what we really are, the individual self is not individual. It's whole and, and interconnected with everything else. So what, the reason why I'm trying to explain this is because in the awareness of this, there is no desire. And where there is no desire, there is freedom. Where there's no desire, particularly an addictive desire, a desire that's detrimental to our well-being, where there's that desire, there's a lack of freedom because it leads us to a, a detrimental path. So in a sense, the, the answer to addiction, all addiction, at whatever level, mind, emotion, or body is to become aware of what we really are. And so let's, so how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, I guess, I guess we need to try and summarize really, really succinctly. The easiest way is to become aware of awareness. That might sound like unclear, but Put it another way, whenever we experience anything, we can ask the question, who is aware? So let's say, look at my hand. So I am looking at my hand. So who is aware? Who is aware of I looking at my hand? So it's a trick question in a sense because, because I'm looking at my hand. The I that I refer to is a conceptual, I'm making up a, co a concept, aren't I? I, all right? I can't point to that I other than if I say it's my body or my thoughts or my memories or, but, but when I say I, I'm aware of saying I, and when I think I, I'm aware of thinking I. So, so that awareness, that is what is present in those experiences that I said, the awareness remains present, but the, the I, the concept, uh, the I, the memory no longer it can no longer define the experience of, of what we are. 
Okay, so that's one way to do it is to just simply jump straight from our everyday experience to who is, just ask the question, who is aware? But then you have to ask the question, who, who is the one that asked the question? <laughs> okay, and that's where it becomes a never-ending loop, right? So that's simply because when you ask a question, you're using concepts. And awareness is beyond concepts. Awareness is a prerequisite to concepts, right? But awareness is always present. Okay, so, so that's just, and, and really, you can't really, well, it's very, to get a really clear experience of that, you really need thoughts and thinking to, to stop, certainly slow down and, and move to the periphery. So that's why a lot of traditions talk about, you know, mind training or being still. And you also have other cultures that force the mind to stop through some kind of extreme experience. So how do we get the, because in a sense, concepts can help us ask the question, but they can't give us the answer. The answer is the experience. So how do we get the mind or the, the thoughts to stop? or certainly slow down and become more peripheral. We have to practice observing things, practice being still, practice noticing the thoughts. And most of the day we, we're just completely immersed in, in our thoughts, in our feelings, in our experiences. And, and then time goes by and we go, oh, gee, time flew then, didn't it? Because we were not aware of being aware. So if we practice being aware of being aware, what happens is we're no longer in a way empowering the continual stream of, of thoughts and reactions that occur. So, and certainly meditation will help with that. So it's contemplation, prayer, journaling, and then move allowing that to move into stillness and then the stillness in the stillness it's not something you can do you the personality the ego the mind doesn't do it but what happens is that when you become still what is aware is recognized what you're aware of what awareness itself becomes the object of awareness and in essentially you experienced you experience your your real nature and there is no desire there it's just peace pure peace and love so what i've done there is i've gone from you know saying that the root of addiction is our identity with ourself and then what is our self i've said that that our self is not the self of the world that's a misconception. That's not the whole picture. But the whole picture can only be experienced through experiencing our true nature. So I've jumped, I've jumped from right to the end of that experience. Now, the thing is that it's not realistic to think that we can just jump straight from, you know, being addicted to ourself to experiencing our true nature. So what gets in the way, and this is the thing, this is what gets in the way, is our body-mind. So what do I mean by our body-mind? Well, 
our body, feelings. So emotions manifest as feelings, don't they? With, combined with some thoughts and imagination. That's why I call it, say, body-mind, because if they were just sensations, we could we could observe those sensations and they wouldn't kind of get our awareness to become completely identified and immersed in them and as if we lose ourselves um, and become unconscious in the experiencing of those emotions. And thoughts combine with those sensations and then we, we can then project forward about what we don't want to happen, that's a fear, or look back, you know, which is all happening in the present, by the way, about and have regrets or anger or jealousy or worry, which is another kind of fear, or anxiety, which is a, another kind of fear in a way. And all, the, all of this can, if you really look at how we operate most, most of the time, we're just in this river of body-mind experiencing with our awareness being going along for the roller coaster ride, not even being aware that, that that's happening. And because this is a continual feedback loop, the body mind is this continual feedback loop that sucks awareness in all the time. And so we become convinced that this is the whole world, this is what we are. And this is what gets in the way of us being able to experience our, our true nature and therefore the absence of cravings and, 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 and the, the, res, the solution to all addiction. So how do we start to, we re, really the pathway is the pathway of the body-mind of, of, of actually learning and understanding that till that no longer interferes and sucks our awareness into unconsciousness. So how do we, how do we work with the body-mind? I think this is a big subject. All of this is a big subject. But I'm just going to say a, f a couple of things that I think are really super helpful and things that really I'm, I'm practicing. It's where I'm up to. Well, one is observing. Really, when a feeling comes, when thoughts occur, notice. Notice the thoughts. Notice the feelings. And if a reaction to those thoughts or to those feelings comes, see if you can notice that. Just see if you can be aware that that's occurring rather than getting sucked and pulled into it, into unconsciousness, so that you're no longer aware of that. You are just experiencing that. Okay, so try and take the position of, ob of the observer as much as possible. And that starts to the fire of the raging river of all of those reactions and thoughts and feelings can start to settle down because you're no longer fueling it with your awareness. So that's the first thing. And recently somebody said something to me that really really impacted, really shot through, actually had a big impact, like an epiphany in a way. And that, that was to love, to not try and reject this endless body-mind raging river of feelings and thoughts, not to reject that as wrong, 
not to reject it as something that you need to get rid of. In fact, to love it. And I know that that might sound strange, but there's a huge power in, in loving this body-mind. A lot of the time it reacts out of fear. And fear is where this, what I would call the mistaken sense of self, is trying to stay alive in a way and keep in control as if somehow somehow this constructed notion of the self can actually control anything. And so it develops this fear of annihilation. But love, love is an expression of our of what of who and what we really are. And it has such a tremendous healing power. No fear can exist in love. And I think um, I think you'll find that quoted in lots of scriptures because it's the truth. I mean, love does not have fear in it. Love, love contains peace and joy. I mean, contains, I use that word loosely, it, it is peace and joy. And every, the body-mind settles down. This is why when we love each other, it has such a healing and harmony, harmonious and peaceful impact so it is it is is both at one it's it's kind of in a way you know the path and the the end of the path the path without end <laughs> i mean i mean ultimately it's a pathless path uh, because love is present and unending as is our nature and i think you'll find many traditions I mean, particularly, like if you if you look at you know the deep teaching of Jesus, for example, what he talks about is a path of love. If you look at at many sages and saints and holy people, that is the 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 essence and center of what they're talking about, and this is for good reason because it is it is the path, and it is the end result. And it is the beginning. So I hope I haven't kind of just created more confusion here. Yeah, the aim is to the aim is to really simplify actually the process of dealing with addiction. So in other words, look, it's it's necessary to deal with the body mind and and to deal with emotions and the source of those emotions at times. But if that's all we ever do, it's just going to be a continual repetition of more production of these kinds of emotions what we need to do is understand when we understand our very we actually experience our nature then we can more easily and quickly dwell in that and we more easily and quickly realize when we're not operating from in that space when words fail space I use that loosely. So, so I hope this is helpful. And I, I think we can all see that there's a, a lot of room to unpack each of these stages. The root of addiction, the solution to addiction, being the experience of our, of what, our true nature, 
and the nature of, of, of all, just as that diagram that I tried to describe shows. And then the pathway to dwelling in that more and more stably and continually. And there's a deep satisfaction in that. There's a deep peace infused with love, love and joy. And I know that sounds all very cliche, but it's true. So I really, really, really encourage you to not try and reject or bury any addictions. Look at them as opportunities. Try and search them out. They are real opportunities. They're nuggets of gold that can help you. Because in the process of working with your addictions, you end up inevitably on a path for the deep satisfaction and happiness that, that you've been looking for and quite mistakenly looking for in the, to try and satisfy those addictive cravings. Because really, 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 if you think about it, what you're really looking for is the deep peace and bliss and joy that actually is our true nature. So I'll leave, I'll leave you here and uh, look forward to sharing and contemplating more with you in the future. Bye for now.